0: Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. And now an update on what some analysts and reporters are calling the Great Resignation and the upside of it all. As many as 44% of workers are leaving their 9 to 5s behind and looking for life hacks to make up the difference in income as they pursue other jobs. And as that number grows, so have downloads of an app called Upside. It's a free app for cash back on gas, groceries, and at restaurants. Can an app like Upside really make a difference? You bet! With Upside, users can earn an average of $96 a year, and it works at all the big gas brands like Shell, BP, Valero philip 66, Circle K, etc., and at favorite local grocers and restaurants. Everyone's got to drive and eat, right? If you want to get in on this life hack, we have a promo code for you. Head to the App Store or Google Play and download Upside. Enter code HACK to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK.
1: Good morning listeners, this is Jim the Keys, bartender. Good morning listeners from all around the world. Or Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And uh, I just hope you're all having such a great day. Uh, it is chilly for us in the Keys. Mid-60s in the morning. Mid-60s, we're calling it chilly, yes. Stark comparison to the places in the north-central part of the United States. Where it is below zero. Below zero. That's Fahrenheit, not centigrade. A lot of people, or Celsius. A lot of people have a problem with that sometimes when someone says, well, it's regularly three degrees below zero where we're from, but they're talking about Celsius, which means it's in the 20s. So here we're talking about negative 15, negative 20 degrees. When it just slips below so Fahrenheit Celsius it's interesting how you know for years when I was a child we would uh, in school they'd start preparing us for the transition to metric I remember second and third grade they say hey listen this is going to happen this is going to happen it never happened it never happened I found you know we learned from a I remember for years, 1.6 kilometers equals one mile. 2.5 centimeters equal one inch, I think. And the Celsius and Fahrenheit and all that, I don't know why uh, temperatures need to be on a metric system. You know, it is what it is. I mean, why, why wouldn't you have the same thing, a thermometer, thermometer? So, I, I guess the metric system when it comes to distance and weight measurements make a lot of sense. The base 10 system, simplifying things. Speaking about simplifying things, there's sometimes situations that are hard to simplify or hard to rationalize. Hard to rationalize. Some of these issues, so we're we'll talking about that uh, in a moment. At first, I want to send a well wishes to my good friend from Northeastern Pennsylvania, Northwestern Pennsylvania. Jesus, I'm from Pennsylvania, I shouldn't have known. Northeastern Pennsylvania is different, Northwestern Pennsylvania, Desiree, and uh, she's going through some uh tribulation right now but she is strong and smart and beautiful and we hope that she uh stays strong and know that uh, we're thinking about her and hoping that she gets well so we can see her down here she and jen and brian her um we, we hope everyone is well and becomes well in 2022 it's been a tough couple of years for Many people, and it's always tough for some people, but we're, I think, more likely to be touched in these last couple of years than in previous years. So, uh, here's uh, best wishes to you, and we are holding, we are ready to make Desiree, we are ready to make your jalapeno margaritas here in Key Largo. So, getting back. Interesting, I don't know if it's interesting, well, it's kind of a strange story, strange story. Yesterday, I get a phone call when I am ready to walk into the gym. I got up early, yesterday was my day off, so my wife wouldn't have to get up early and drive her daughter to school. I got up, drove her to school, and I decided I'd do an early morning workout. I don't have to get up early, but I did that, you know, so... Because she has to do that the rest of the week. So at least one day she can stay in for an extra half hour, 45 minutes. And then she can go to the gym and do her class and then go to work. At the salon she works at, south of where we live. So she gets in her car and she tells me, she's driving down the road. She's less than three houses away. And all of a sudden she notices that what she thought was a tennis ball hitting her windshield she goes who'd who'd she didn't say this but it was pretty much in her uh, vernacular because you know she's a late comer to the english language but she's very good at she goes someone throwing tennis balls at something green hit her windshield and then she saw something else and she notices it wasn't a tennis ball it was a toad and what it was more likely a bofu toad so It had jumped from under the hood, I guess, where the the windshield wipers are nested underneath. When the car started, they stirred the dormant Bofu toads into activity. And they came out and started jumping on the windshield. And then they jumped off the car. And you may have heard me talk about the Bofu toad. It's It's an invasive species here in South Florida, they were brought here sometimes in the 50s or 60s as a remedy to uh, insects that were attacking the cane fields. They call them the cane toads. What happened is they they introduced these codes, toads as a natural predator to the insects that were attacking the sugar cane. And what happened is they put the wrong toad in. And the bofu toad, which is it's called from Central America, has excretes a neurotoxin off its back from glands on its back, and it's deadly to smaller animals, dogs and things like that, and could could make a human sick. Could make I guess if you ingest another, it could kill a human. It it's a neurotoxin. So it looks like milky white. And it looks I mean, toad and a frog. I don't. There's, I guess, there's different characteristics of toads and frogs, but they're all frogs to me. If you know what I mean, and a cane toad is bigger. Is bigger than the regular the regular frogs you see. They get to the size of a Cornish game hen, which was appropriate because the night before we did have two Cornish game hens as dinner, for the wife and I. And, uh, it was, it was weird, but yeah, these huge, to- they get, they get pretty, uh, big. And if, you know, if you had a dog or anything like that in the, in the yard and they see something hopping around, a lot of times they'll go after and bite at it or, you know, something. And, uh, dogs have been known to, when they ingest it, die. Matter of fact, a friend of mine purports that our dog had a cane toad in its mouth and it ended up dying. So, a friend I worked with at a restaurant previously. And then I, you know, once it was mentioned, it was funny. I said, i never seen them. And don't you know, within a month and a half, I think it was a particularly wet fall and winter. And uh, they, they, they spread all around. They're very, you know, when, and I guess when an invasive species shows up in an environment that is accommodating to its particular characteristic it needs to thrive they thrive because there's no natural predators or anything that would come after it otherwise in its natural habitat they would be you know in natural habitat if they were just so good at just defending themselves they'd overrun but here in south florida there's really nothing that's evolved this to to counter the growth of it. And what they do is they, like any amphibians, they're cold-blooded. And when it gets cool, they go dormant. And uh, the couple times I've encountered them, I tried to get one with a a pellet gun and that was just too brutal. That's a big, big toad. It was too much for me. It was just too much for me because those toads were tenacious. When you they're, they're, I guess they're empty on the inside. They're, you know, like toads are. They just have a lot of air air inside them. Things like that. And they're very... Um, you know, it just... Uh, I have this thing about animals. I know. In a post-apocalyptic world, it would be really tough. But I guess if you're hungry, you'd probably almost eat anything. And uh, I'll maybe talk about that a little later. So, this morning... I uh, the wife had me go out and start her vehicle before she took off to take the daughter to school and look for the cane. You know, last night we looked around. We took the flashlight. And since we had two large ones there, probably there were two that, two, uh, you know, adults that were around. They went for someplace warm and they went under the hood of the car. So I didn't have one under mine. And you know what? If that had happened and I saw something green hop on the windshield, I've had lots of things. I had iguanas fall out of trees and hit me coconuts, hit the car. Coconuts hit the roof of the car. Um, All sorts of things down here. Snakes. Birds. Oh, and there's nothing like walking under a tree that has an iguana in it. And when you start a iguana, uh, some of these iguanas are, are pretty big. I, I I don't even know how to weigh them. They're anywhere from five to twelve pounds. So you can imagine how they defecate, like, like a you know size of a cat, but it's wet. It's a wet. I, I'm sorry if you're eating breakfast or eating a meal. And I would walk under a tree once, and I'd hear splat behind me. And I'm thinking, who? I'm thinking someone threw something at me, and I was taking offense. And that's you know how the mind goes. Is I mean, as soon as something happens, you think, "Holy crap! Why would someone do something like that?" Then your mind goes around. What's the more reasonable thing? I look up, and I see on the tree limb, right below the, uh, right above, the spot where the shit hit the road is iguana. So I quickly surmised the iguana did and you and you think in your head, boy, these it's like pigeons and things like that. You think, are these animals doing it vindictively? Are they trying to shit on me? You know, that'd be funny if they were. A more simple explanation would be that you startle them by walking underneath and they just go. Or it's just by chance. I was walking with a girl to school, to high school back. It was over 40 years ago. Let's say 42 years ago. And I remember to this day, I remember the shirt I was wearing. I had this brown shirt. It was kind of faux suede. I was going to Catholic boys' school, and we had to wear tie, shirt and ties, but we didn't have to wear the uniforms. We just had to wear, uh, you know, long pants, a, long, uh, a shirt with a collar, and a tie. It had to be a button shirt; it couldn't be like a polo shirt. So, I'm I'm walking with this uh, along with this girl I wanted to talk to, and I'm walking down the street, and all of a sudden, the, right on the arm of my Nice, faux suede shirt. A big bird shits down the arm. And I'm less than a half a block away. So I have to turn around, run home, put on a new shirt, run back. The girl's already gone. And there goes my shot. Years later, though, it was interesting. Um, I was hanging out with my best friend who liked the the same girl. Wearing it up, going out for drinks. I was a designated driver. And I had moved on for my amorous intentions for this young lady. So I've had several other, I have more than, well, I'm not going to go into details of my numbers. But I wasn't as interested with this girl anymore, but he was interested. And I'm the designated driver. I'm having a good time. I'm talking to girls. I'm not drinking that much unusual at the time, but we're in downtown Philadelphia. And the girl ends up pissing off a cop by stealing his hat. And almost getting all of us arrested where she gets both my friend and her detained. I'll save that story for another time because uh, it's a funny story in itself. So these uh, encounters with these animals and stuff like snakes, like I had a snake come and in, rush into my apartment on a cold morning. I don't know where the hell it was coming from. If it was so cold, it should have been dormant. But I opened the door. I had a a trash bag in my hand. I had my cell phone and a cup of coffee and was getting ready to go to the gym. So I'm holding this stuff. I'm ready to drop the trash bag off. And all of a sudden, don't you know a snake starts slithering? a, A racer snake, I think it's called. And all I thought is, no, you are not. I am not going to sleep with a snake in my apartment. Now, I don't have a problem as bigger problems, once I realize something's a snake, I don't really have a problem with a snake. But I don't like sleeping with one that's loose. And I hear about that, you know, so oh, don't worry, those snakes, they'll stay. Yeah, but, you know, when it gets cold, they'll get in the bed, get under blankets, but more likely they're hiding under appliances like a refrigerator that's warm. And it's more likely to stay there. And they're good to have if you have a rodent problem. But I didn't have a rodent problem or an insect problem. I guess these little racer snakes, they eat these palmetto bugs. And if you're not familiar with palmetto bugs, they're, uh, I, w- I want to say swallow-sized flying cockroaches. But they're not swallows. They're sometimes, they get as big as the mouse you use for your laptop. Near, near size, or a smaller mouse, let the, the mouse uh, pointer I'm talking about. And they're big. They're just big cockroaches. And they're easy to control. They're easy to control. That's the nice thing about it. They're not, they're not as prolific as the German one. Those little tiny ones. If you get those little tiny ones down here, you are screwed. You got to get an exterminator for that. But for palmetto bugs, you can control them with the little roach motels. I know the little roach, Mattels, they still get in there, right? And they, they, it controls them. And they come up through the septic systems and things like that. So th- another interesting encounter with the flora and fauna down here. And I know that up north in all these different places, you have different things. Bears and wolves and coyotes, mountain lions, panthers. I didn't realize this woman, I just saw a news story in Orlando Took place in Orlando, lady was attacked by a black bear. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, another goddamn predator. We got alligators and crocodiles, yes, we have crocodiles down here, sharks, pythons now, Burmese pythons. So, we got some interesting predators here, too. You know, but yeah, there's nothing like that waking, to wake you up in the morning. Lastly. I didn't really talk about too much about, uh, oh, there's my coffee maker going off. Take a big sip of coffee. I may seem a little more talkative today because I had a great night's sleep. For some reason, I think because I had an extra day off this week, the wife decided, said, let's go to bed early. Get some extra sleep. Get ready for the week. It's going to be a busy week. We're going to have a busy couple of weeks coming up. In about two weeks, we have a our, her nephew coming from Poland, Bartek. And in a couple weeks like that, a friend of ours, Justina, who's a flight attendant and actress in Poland, will be uh, coming in. And it's coming; she's coming during a very busy time, right after Valentine's Day. So we're going to have to figure out how to balance our schedules and things like that, so we can uh, share some time with her. But and, and then with Valentine's Day and it's it's season. So that extra sleep, it's, it's not like you can bank sleep, right? You can't bank it. But it does help me. You don't, I, at least for me, I'm speaking for myself. You don't realize how much sleep you don't get until you get enough sleep and how you feel afterwards. Does that sound correct? So last night. There's, there's nothing like the feeling, I guess when you're in your, I'm, I'm, I'm in the north side of middle-aged, okay? I'm on the north side of middle-aged. I think that's the kindest way to say that about myself. So in the middle of the night, I drank, I drank a lot of liquid yesterday. I don't drink as much. I don't drink at all, matter of fact, alcohol, but I don't drink, co- I try trying try not to drink coffee after five or six if I'm. Uh, I try not to drink coffee five hours before I go to sleep. So the earlier I stop drinking coffee, the better. So I drank some tea. I drank some zero, zero beer, zero percent alcohol beer. But it's all liquid. And when you drink a lot of liquid, you got to get rid of it. And most of us guys on the north side of middle aged have to get up. And going to bed at 9.15 and falling asleep at 9 30, I woke up to use the bathroom and I look at the clock and it's 1245. You know, it sucks. It was it sucks making up waking up in the middle of the night and not and having to do that. It does suck. But it's so sweet when you look at the clock and it's not even one o'clock. And you realize, I realize I got five more more than five more hours of sleep. So when I woke up this morning at 6 o'clock, and usually I pop out of bed at 6 o'clock. I don't know why, but I do. When I get plenty of sleep, I don't pop out of bed. Yeah, I just kind of, my ass drags. But in the end, as I slowly transition to wakefulness, I notice that I feel much better. Holy crap. Holy crap! I mean, I'm feeling that right now. I'm still getting a tingle. It was, it was, I just had a, a cup and a half of coffee. That's it. A little to eat. Warmed up the warmed up the wife's car because we wanted to make sure there was no toads there. That's right. there. I I warmed up the car. You know, to, to see. You know, I, I backed it up and forth to make sure that there's going you know, to be anything popping out on the windshield. And. I mean, tomorrow, I think I get home. Tonight, I'll get home around 10, 15, 10, 30, if I'm lucky. And if I can get to bed by 11, I can definitely get close to six and a half hours sleep. That is not enough. I know, that is not enough. You, even though you, just because you can operate, you can operate doing these things, doesn't mean you can, you should. That's what I'm saying. Just because you, can doesn't mean that you should that's what i wanted to say so optimum i want to take care of it so and the last thing i want to say that was kind of selfish i have a friend in japan um, and i'm pretty sure it's a woman because it purports to be a woman it sends pictures of it. nami i do appreciate and it's a friend she hasn't dedicated any Amorous attentions. She did mention ask if I have a good retirement. I think she, they might be using a translating app, and unusual to uh, any other. Like I said in previous episode, catfishing and all that stuff. Um, this seems to be because whenever there's a, I mean, they have. I guess they have either pictures at hand or not, but it's always of the same person. And I explained that was an older man here in the United States and that I was married happily, that I was not looking for a romantic connection. They wanted to be friends. And I said, you know what? I have no problems with friendships. And uh, this person just seems to want to talk with someone around the world. But um, I just don't really understand. I guess maybe they're not looking for if it's if it's real they're not looking for a romantic uh, connection either because they're continuing the conversation and i explained to her that i am not a wealthy gentleman i won't be making any trip to tokyo shortly i would like to make a trip to tokyo just to see it and you know obviously visit i'd have tea with my friend But uh, it's unlikely that to happen because I'm already my travel card is filled with going to Europe right now because Abby's family's from Europe and that's where we go. That's where I spend my travel dollar right now. I mean, if that changes and I have excess income, I would certainly like to go to places in the Far East. I would like to go to India. I would love to go to Africa would love to go to Japan China Vietnam uh, Australia go to Australia I don't think that's called as it's, it's Australasia I guess it's called or Polynesia I'd like to go to Polynesia and things like that but right now my tra- travel dollar is dedicated to that and right now it looks like NAMI's having some type of girls night out and she has her beautiful friend and I didn't ask her if I could post a picture of her and her friend so I'm not going to post a picture of her her, her friend on the the thing because I, I didn't ask her but I, I don't think it's a problem mentioning her name because it's just a first name it's the city of Tokyo there's 20 million people in Tokyo and I have currently have no zero listeners in Japan Zero listeners in Japan. Now, if she gets upset right now and starts treating me differently, and I don't see any demographics that I have listeners in Japan, then I know that this person is not who they purport to be. And i will solve two things in one thing. Or maybe they'll start ta- stop talking. See, what happens is they keep stock photos nearby. They'll get a group of all the same. And supposedly, this everyone I get contacted by from Asia, catfished by someone in Asia, has a health and beauty company they work for. Now, they're always beautiful young women. They're beautiful young women. They could be in their late 20s, early 30s. I don't know. Uh, the pictures are beautiful young women. Let me say that clearly, because there's no reason if someone's texting you to believe that they are that person. It could be some guy in Indonesia or Malaysia or India. And who would be better than a catfisher guy than a guy? Because they know what they like and they think they know what you like. Because, of course, men are all the same every place you go. That's what they think. So, um, I don't think they. Don't, I don't think they. Uh, whoever's listening, it's funny. They don't really know what a podcast is, or don't care what a podcast is, because their motive may be something different. They could be playing the long game. The long game in catfishing on these things is eventually saying, um, eventually will be saying, could you? Would you like to invest in uh, cryptocurrency or my healthcare company? Or I'm thinking about coming to Miami, but I'm short on cash right now. That'll that'll be something like that. And they're hoping that a desperate older man, desperate older, lonely, or horny man would send money. Um, I I have not. I I've never. I haven't been at this age at any time in my life because obviously at the current moment I'm the oldest I've ever been. And I've never done it previously. So I've not broken the seal there. So I don't think I'm about to do that. I think I reinforce that. But I'm going to play this out and see how long it goes. We can still have a conversation. It seems to be congenial and there's nothing untoward and I don't have to hide my I tell Abby about it so she knows I'm doing that. I'm texting someone and it hasn't gotten weird yet. When it does get weird, I'll show them and say it got weird. And um, hopefully I'll say, you know, I'll let, you know, whatever. If it gets really weird, I'll just have to cut it off. Who knows? Because... Why would you risk anything? You get in trouble. That would be like a, it's funny. My wife's name's Dear Abby, and this would be a Dear Abby thing. My husband is in this funny thing. He thinks it's funny. He's kind con- of conducting his thing with this beautiful woman in Japan and stuff like that. And he says it's not a beautiful woman. He says that it's a man in Malaysia pretending to be a beautiful woman in Japan. Blah, blah, blah. That is definitely a Dear Abby note. What should I do? And then uh, whoever's Dear Abby now, um says, well, you should tell your husband to cut it off. If he loves you. You should be enough for him. She says, no, they didn't tell the whole story. You did not tell the whole story. I use it in my podcast. So that is like, that's material. That is material. So thank you. And it's material in two ways. It's material to the argument, and it's material that I use in creating the podcast. Material as a legal term. Yes, I'm not. Maybe not. I'm not. I'm not stupid. Okay. Well, maybe I am, because I just people that think they're smart get in trouble all the time by thinking that they're smart and they're really stupid. But this morning, watching news, moving on. Um, I wanted to talk about it. it, it, It's not about leaf blowing, but I'm going to use the leaf blowing metaphor. When people use leaf blowers to remove dust and leaves and grass cuttings for their lawn, unless they sweep it up or suck it up or bag it up, all they're doing is moving the leaves and the dust and the cuttings around. Either they're moving it onto their neighbor's lawn or into a pile in some area, which not necessarily materially wrong, but... Uh, leaf blowers are a cause of pollutants, ground air pollutants, because it creates dust and things like that particular so people actually breathe in. So what I do I know people say, don't be holier than the now gym. What do you do? And I say, Well, I use a mulching mower and when I trim my lawn and stuff like that, I use electric there, and I know electric could be generated by coal, so that could be just as dirty. But I'm not using a two-stroke engine, which is one of the most pollutant engines that you could use that puts up the most pollutants but that's not the point of the conversation i was using a metaphor so i sweep the leaves and the cuttings and the dust back on the lawn and so every time i cut it i'm mulching that stuff into it because for several reasons first of all i i'm not spreading my you know lawn uh waste onto other people's lawn and i'm keeping it so it could turn into fertilizer for the soil I'm not depleting my soil. So whenever leaves show up and stuff like that, it's coming from someone else. I'll just say, hey, thank you. I'll use that for my lawn because everyone has rocks and stuff like that. And I think I have a pretty, I don't have, it's not full of grass, but it's full of green. I keep it short. So I got a nice green lawn. Down here is unusual. You got to use a lot of the chemicals to keep grass, but blah, 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 blah. So that's how I keep that do that. But let's get back to lawn blower. Uh, leaf blowing thing so whenever you're doing that stuff you just move most of the time most of the time people when you're blowing dust off a walkway or something like that you're putting in the air you're giving it to someone else that dust lands someplace else the leaves the lawn you know grass clippings they land someplace else so in the news today um Whenever crimes occurs from the homeless or people in town and stuff like that, it's unsightly when you see – yes, it's unsightly when you see a tent city under an overpass and things like that and to have people begging and crimes being committed by it and, and uh, you know, weather alerts. When it gets too cold, you know, you have to go out and do a freeze warning and bring them into shelters and things like that. And people are starting to say, well, how are we going to deal with this problem? How are we going to deal with this problem? And we don't deal with it nationally. We deal with it locally. That's the thing. We deal with it locally like you do with your lawn. A lawn is a local problem, right? So you just, what many municipalities do is they make homeless illegal, but instead of just making it illegal where they're going to put them in prison, they just move them out of town. They give them bus ticket stuff and move them someplace else. And we have it down here in the, South Florida, which is a great place, a great place to be homeless. Even here, if you think about it, our low temperatures in the Keys rarely go under 60, 60 degrees. And, you know, that's fine camping weather if you have something to cover up with. Most of the time, some of the people here may get chilly because they get acclimated and things like that. But it's fine camping weather. So when people have to deal with it, they just seem to move them around. And it's not that there's no more homeless, there's no more homeless here. No more homeless here. And people say, well, how do we deal with it? How do you deal with the homeless? Well, first of all, you gotta say why are they homeless? And there's many schools of thought. People say they're malingerers or people that uh, malingering may not be you know, people that are lazy. They don't want to work, they don't want to care for themselves, they don't want to do that. Well, that's a mental illness too, isn't it? But speaking of mental illness, homelessness became ballooned into a problem in the 1980s when the mental institutions were closed mental uh, state-funded and federally funded mental institutions that kept uh, people that had uh, mental maladies were turned out they closed them you could, a lot of them are closed so a lot of the people that are on a lot of the people that are on the street have, Mental and, mental and substance abuse problems. Yes, there's some people that have uh, just financial problems. And there's, you know, access to housing and things like that. But I think as you go further and further down the line, it's less of a problem. So there's multiple ways of people dealing with it. And there's the leaf blowing way. It's just get them out of your area and move them someplace else. Well, that in the U.S. that does not solve the problem. It solves a problem in your locality, not theirs. So, if you're one of these planned communities up in Ocean Reef, north of us, in the gated community, there is not a homeless person on that property—at least they know of right now. There could be end up someone that can makes it over the fence. That would be a stupid place to do it though, because immediately you'd be removed. So, there is not a homeless person, but there's tons of homeless people here in Key Largo. We have mangrove forest and, and, and trees and stuff like that where people, and they regularly fly helicopters over trying to clear it out, and they send a, um, a task force in to clear up, you know, tear up their uh, uh, tent sites or campsites. So, but they keep on returning. And there's new people all the time. They're making a way down here, and people say, "Well, make it illegal. Make it illegal. What are you going to do? What? what How is that going to solve your issue? You're going to put them in jail. You know, it's much more expensive to keep someone in jail than to have subsidized housing. If you had like a small thing, and you just... You know, if you wanted in the end, if you took all the money that you spent on housing and adjudicating people that were homeless and with their trespassing, and how much the county spends, how much is it a year? Anywhere from thirty thousand to fifty thousand dollars a year, considering how much it costs for um, your guards, the prisons, the food. Medical care while they're in there, fifty thousand a year, almost a thousand a week, and let's go on the low end, six hundred. But now I imagine right now it's fifty thousand a year, considering how much it costs. Uh, where wage uh, for for prison guards has gone up, and the cost of everything else. So, do you think you can do some kind of subsidized housing for under fifty thousand dollars a year? I think you can. I think you can. And you know what? You can make it a requirement. You can have uh, treatment centers and all this stuff. If you want to alleviate some of your problems and say, listen, immediately when you're found to be homeless, you will be given, not a prison, you will given shelter. And you will, uh, for during the day, the shelter will be closed And during the night, you get to come back in. But also, while you're in the shelter, you will receive substance abuse, uh, education, and other types of, of education and counseling. There's one solution right there. One solution right there. And that's the most humane solution. But people don't, in order to allot that, they'd have to do it preemptively. When I say preemptively fund solutions. And people don't like doing that. Governments don't like doing it. It says, Well, how much of this is budget? It's it's two percent of our municipal budget. We're gonna be using it for the homeless, or three percent, or four percent, or five <clears> percent. <throat> then do a study, break it down, how much do you currently spend on addressing the homeless situation? They go ten percent. Ten percent. Because we do with it after the fact, and then we don't even factor in with the property crimes, and violent crimes, and pollution, and you know destruction and beautification projects. So, in the end, it's financially. And people say, "Well, Jim, you just that's unfounded." And I go, "No, it's not unfounded. We, you can see it. You can you." Almost anything can be broken down in dollars and cents. And they're just the things we can quantify. I imagine it cost, and people say, you don't know. You don't know exactly. I said, listen, from just watching or um, doing a review of our sheriff's, office, sheriff's uh, arrest report, we have pictures. You see the percentages of people that have streets of Key Largo, streets of Key West, streets of Marathon. And how much does it cost to police and house and adjudicate these problems? Take that out of the mix, put it in a preemptive budget that's organized and see how efficient that is. See how efficient it is. People say, I don't want to fund that. I said, well, you're funding it anyway. You're funding it after the fact. Now, come up with another thing. The other one, you the leaf blower thing. Remove them. Ship them. Well, they, come, they can come back. Remove, remove termites from your house and put them outside your house. Remove, I mean, and they said, well, what? No, we don't remove termites. And this is the last one. We exterminate termites. Now, that's what the Nazis did. That's what the Nazis did. Now, you can call it what you will. You can call it we'll make work camps. In uh, in Victorian or pre-Victorian uh, England, they had workhouses. They had workhouses. If you didn't have money, you didn't have a place to live, you went to a workhouse. And what you did... Is you went in there and you worked. <coughs> and they fed you gruel or whatever they fed you and you were housed. And that's, that's what you did. And p- some people out there think that's a suitable way to treat people. Knowing that some of those people, a lot of those people that went to workhouses were mentally ill. They had a problem. They had a substance abuse problem and things like that. And it could very well, there's people of all different economic backgrounds, you know, ethnic backgrounds that end up having issues with substances or mental health. And that's probably the kindest solution. The kindest solution is these concentration workhouse, concentration camp slash workhouse solution. And the most extreme one, when you get to most extreme people, would we say, "Well, you are going to give give you three chances, like probably something similar to the president of the Philippines. With we're going to give you three chances. Your third chance is the last, and then you're done." What do you mean when you're done? Well, you're just not a member of society anymore. What do you mean you're not a member? Well, you're no more. We will remove you, not in prison. That would be too, that's too kind. We eliminate you. That, you know, for, if you explain that directly to people, that's how they eased in with final, they called it the final solution. During World War II, if people had an issue, said, well, first we'll remove them from the area, we'll take them out of our society, and we'll move them into ghettos, different areas, and concentrate them. Right. And then we'll try to do, we'll try to create work for them. We'll try to get some economic return out of them. Then finally, we realize the economic return isn't that great. So the final solution, the final solution, that's why they call it the final solution, because there's nothing, no other thing to do after that is they exterminate them. I mean, we, it's unthinkable, right? Well, why don't you know? Why don't we try to alleviate? We're always going to have an issue. We're going to have an issue, but we can alleviate the numbers. We can remove the people. Remove when we say remove. We treat the people that are mentally ill. We treat the people that have substance use problems. We uh, we we help the people that have uh, not enough income to provide for their family, but they're working, and assist them, and then. Yes, there'll be some people that don't want to work. There's some people that don't want to work. But if we are able to alleviate 80% of the issue, imagine having one-fifth the problem, one-fifth that we had before, and say, this guy just likes living in a tent in the woods. That's it. And then we live with it. We've been living with 100%. Why can we live with only 20% of it? By treating the other things that could be more proactive. And those people become contributing members of society in a healthy way. Not in a way you have to be ashamed of, like a workhouse. In a way where they can be proud of themselves. I'm working. I'm getting clean. I'm, I'm working towards mental health. That's a healthier society, more productive society. That's making the country better. I don't want to use the G word for that because someone already screwed that up. But making the country better, isn't that a worthy, worthy goal? Where if you, uh, you heard the term prior in history and on this show, a rising tide raises all ships. So when things are going poorly in this country... When the economy going south, why don't we address those six sick parts of society when we have the opportunity to say, boy, we're not doing so well right now. It's getting worse and worse. You know why? Because when it's going really well, we ignore those problems more because everyone's doing, I mean, a majority of people doing well. And we ignore that homeless problem, drug problem, crime problem. Why not, when we have an issue with everything, say, listen, we're going to get well. Let's get well together. Well, this is Jim the Keys bartender. I'd like to thank everyone for listening from all over the place, all over the place, wherever we have listeners, in Pennsylvania, Florida, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Colorado, uh, California not so much in the northwestern thing. We used to have Alaska, Ketchikan, Alaska, where where you where have you been internationally? Thank you again, internationally. Our big countries right now. India, Taiwan. Taiwan, my um uh, little UK, little Germany, uh Russia, Ukraine. Thank you Ukraine. Stay strong. Um we're wishing everyone well and uh make it through the winter here in the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere uh don't have any listeners in australia but i wish them well too i hope you you know you're getting into the summer i hope you don't have any big fires there anymore maybe it, that's all cleared out right now because you the big fires you had two years ago there um this is jim the keys bartender I went a little longer than i normally do but thank you very much here's some music to
0: send you off to PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use code HACK.